Alrighty, good to see everyone. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Chinese Church in Christ South Valley. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's it's really really good to see you all uh, this morning. Uh, we got a depending on your depending on your attitude, um, a very very basic message for today, and it is about the love of God. That is one perspective. Another perspective is the love of God is something that has infinite depth and riches. And there's, there's like this old story, and some, some speakers like to do that. There's this old story. There is this story about a young boy who was, had a thimble, and he was like taking thimble, thimblefuls of water out of the ocean, and he was like emptying it onto the sand. And someone said, this was uh, St. Augustine, he said... Um, that there's, uh, by the time that the little boy has emptied the ocean using a thimble, uh, there will still be more things to be said about the love of God. So someone could write um, thousands and thousands and thousands of pages and thousands and thousands of words about um, the love of God without it ever being exhausted. Um, and so let me go ahead and just read our passage uh, for today. It's just one verse, uh, very common, famous verse, a few times. And then we're just going to be spending the whole time unpacking it. So this is John chapter 3, verse 16. And if you've grown up in church, you probably are able to recite it without me. Can, does anyone, can anyone do it? This is like an Awana Bible test. You get the, you get the Timothy Award if you can recite John three sixteen. 16. Um, here, say it with me, if you will. For God so loved the world... Okay, so like, good job, good job, yeah, yeah. So I think I think half of you get the Timothy Award. The other people get the whatever you call the award for not being able to recite the. Let me let me read it one more time. This is the ESV version. For God so loves the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, this is God's word. Let's just spend our time. Uh, reflecting and meditating on the love of God, which is so incredible and powerful. Um, Dear Lord, uh, your love is so deep and wide, uh, and it is so rich and good. And so I pray, Lord, that through your word, you would be communicating how you loved us, and that would really transform us. Um, I pray, Lord, you would be breaking through any blockages that we have, any misconceptions, um, that would help us, uh, uh, that would keep us from understanding the riches of your love that you expressed through your son. Um, I pray, Lord, you would speak with power through your word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I got three points, um, all from this verse. And honestly, the points don't matter as much, but they can kind of help you to organize uh, this really famous verse. Um, the three points are how God loves shows how much he loves, okay? You probably actually have preconceptions about what this verse means, and I actually want to challenge some of those. So the first point is how God loves shows how much God loves. The second one is how God loves meets your greatest need. And then the third one is how God loves can get you through anything. Um, Before we start talking about God's love in particular, Um, I wanted to do a little bit of compare and contrast. So 
There are two movies, um, one of which I like more than the other one, and you could probably, maybe some of you, if you know me, you could guess which one I like better. I'm going to compare Despicable Me and Avengers, okay? And maybe some of you can guess which one I like more. But in, in these movies, there are two different young children who experience the love of a parent in a way that changes the entire course of their lives, okay? And what I want to suggest to you is if you don't think love is important, um, then you are horribly misreading the way the world is. How you experience love and how people love you determines and shapes the entire course of your life. Um, how your parents love you uh, can basically make or break your life. Um, how your spouse loves you can make or break your life. Um, all, love is one of the most important things that we can possibly experience. And uh, all of that being said, the love of God is even more important than any human love that we can experience. So let me give you the first example from Gru, the main character of Despicable Me. So Despicable Me is an animated movie about an, a supervillain named Gru who's trying to do what? shrink the moon and capture it so we can like hold it hostage and make a bunch of money off of the nations. Um, but there's actually this flashback where you kind of learn what has sent him in this direction where he becomes a supervillain. So this is a little flashback. Do you guys remember the scene? Uh, Gru is talking to his mom and he says, Mom, someday I'm going to go to the moon. And his mom says, I'm afraid you're too late, son. NASA isn't sending monkeys anymore. You get that? <laughs> Do you guys remember this scene? And then Gru says, he's holding up a picture, and he says, look, Mom, I made a picture of me landing on the moon. And his mom's like, eh. And then he's like, look, Mom, I made a prototype of the rocket out of macaroni. And she's like, eh. And he says, look, Mom, I built a real rocket based on the macaroni prototype. And then it, like, takes off. And she's like, eh. Now, that's funny, but it's also sad, right? Where um, his entire, the entire course of his life is actually shaped by how his mom doesn't love him, or in a sense, like, only expresses love for him if he can accomplish or achieve enough. And so thus, he becomes a supervillain and wants to do something uh, really, really big so that he can win the approval or love of his mom. And so you see this in stories all over the world. You see this uh, all, all over in our lives where so much of our life can be shaped by our desire to win the love or approval of our parents or someone close to us. Um, can you think about how his entire life is shaped by the love of his parent? Let's think about the other person. Um, this is a very minor character in Avengers. It is the daughter of Iron Man. And everyone loves the scene where... Um, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, is putting his young daughter to bed, um, and then, you know, he makes a bunch of funny quips and is, makes his daughter laugh, like, like, oh, if you don't go to bed, I'm going to sell all your presents, and she's like, ha, 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 um, you know, and so he's really clever, Robert Downey Jr. lines, um, and then as he's, like, putting her into bed, he says, I love you tons, and then what does she say? She says, I love you 3,000. 
Do you guys remember? <laughs> I feel okay. And and why is that? Why is that super duper cute? Because you know, a ton. She's taking very literally him saying, "I love you tons," which is two thousand pounds, and she's saying, "I love you even more. I love you three thousand pounds, not just a ton. I love you more than that." And now, um, and then when Robert Downey Jr. Oh, sorry. If you haven't seen this, I don't care. Um, I'm going to spoil it. Um, Robert Downey Jr. Um, Iron Man. At the end of the movie. Uh, he makes a great sacrifice to save basically half of the universe, um, and he makes a video a videotape of him talking to his daughter, and he says to her, he kind of cuts it off by saying, "You know, I love you 3,000." And that's a really amazing, powerful picture of um, how his love. And then, and then you just imagine, like, how different do you think Iron Man's daughter will turn out? Like in 20 years, in 30 years, how different will she be than Gru turned out? As all as a result of the love of their parents and the way one parent loved uh, them well and the other parent didn't, right? Now, so those are two different uh, ways that the love, that love impacts us. But I would say the love of God is even more important and more impactful. And so uh, we're just going to spend uh, some time going through... Uh, th this really famous verse, John three sixteen. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna break it up into little parts. Okay, and we're gonna go really really slow. Uh, so the first thing I want you to observe about this passage, God for God so loved the world that. Okay, this is a really famous passage, really famous verse. Um, but I want you to ask yourself this question: When you hear this passage, what do you think the main point of this part of the passage is? When it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, what do you think that communicates about God, God's love? What do you think? And in particular, what does the word so mean? If you're anything like me, you probably understand this passage as meaning God really, really, really loves the world. And he loves the world so much that he gave his only son, right? So the word so means God totally, really loves the world. I want to argue with you. I want to say that's actually not what the word so means there. And we're going to get into some grammar here. But if you, this is actually the way that the English language uses the word and has used the word in the past. So other people who read older translations would have understand what this means. The word so there is not like, I so, so, so love mashed potatoes, which is true. It doesn't mean that. It actually means the manner in which God loves or how God loves. God expresses his love not so much, like he, he doesn't feel so much love for you that he sent Jesus. His love is expressed in the manner of sending his son to die for you. And as I'm going to unpack this, I want you to see that this one observation about this passage actually dramatically changes the way you understand it. How God loves you shows you how much. And if we only think about this verse as meaning God really, really, really loves you, then you, you miss a lot of the nuance and specificity and like the beauty of this passage, okay? So we're, the first point is how God loves you shows you how much God loves you. So don't think about this verse meaning God really, really loves you. Thinking about this verse as saying God expressed his love 
in this way. This is the manner in which God loved you. Okay? And what is the manner in which God loved you? Um, he gave his only son. He gave his only son. So we're going to unpack this next part. He gave his only son. Um, my wife, Ashley, is pregnant, and she's been pregnant for a while. And once the pregnancy is over, she's going to pop out a little baby boy. And his name will be Tobias, or Baby Toby. And it wasn't until um, we kind of learned that uh, Toby was going to be a boy that I think I started to read this verse very differently. Um, you know, like, I was always a son, but I had never had a son. And once you are a father or, like, expecting to be a father, um, I think this verse hits you really different, right? The manner in which God loved you was that he gave up his only son. He gave up his only son. And this, this, this is so incredibly wonderful and powerful and unbelievable. He loved the world so much, not just so much, but in the manner of giving up his only son. Now, what does it mean that God gave up his son? God gave up his son, and this is what the Christmas story is about, but ultimately this is all pointing towards the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. God gave up his son to become a human, and we sang a song about that, like, come now, long expected Jesus, where it said he basically left his heavenly throne, he left the comfort and joy of being with God and being with the Holy Spirit, and he descended down into a sinful, broken, messed up world. And so if you can imagine this, this is kind of unbelievable. This is like one of those reality TV shows or something where there's like a super duper rich like Beverly Hills girl, and then all of a sudden her family loses all of her fortune, and she has to go to like the crappy public high school, right? And before everything was given to her on a silver platter, she had all of these nice things. All of a sudden, it's all gone. That's kind of the picture of what Jesus did when he came to the world. He had everything, but he was willing to be born as a kid, a baby, a squalling kid in a manger. Um, out of what? Out of God's love for us. And out of God being able to express his love through this cost of giving up his son to be born into this painful, tragic, um, difficult world. But he gave up more. So again, this is from God the Father's perspective. He gave up Jesus to experience pain. And Jesus experienced the whole range of pain in, on, this, uh, on this earth, didn't he? Um, he experienced the pain of losing friends, of people dying around him. He experienced the pain of disappointment, he experienced the pain of hunger and thirst and loneliness. Um, and so God, the Father, expressed his love for us in this. He gave Jesus up to these things. And then you know where I'm going. He gave Jesus Christ up, his only son, the son that he loves and cherishes so much and wants to protect at all costs. He gave him up so that um, to humiliation on the cross where people were mocking him, people were spitting on him, um, he was experiencing the incredible pain of like slowly as asphyxiating as he was hanging on that cross. God gave up his only son out of love for us to express and demonstrate his love for us, right? And then he gave his only son up to death. Now, right off the bat, you might be saying, is that fair to Jesus? 
Um, when is, is this like divine child abuse? And I mean, it's pretty easy to answer that question. Um, number one, the reason it's not child abuse is because Jesus was an adult and he freely, willingly chose to do those things on behalf of God. And so he did all of that out of love for his father. But it was God's plan and desire and redemptive plan to send Jesus to do that so that Jesus could express his love to us. So Jesus was willing to experience that pain and suffering and humiliation and death um, on our behalf. Can you see that that's how God shows his love? It's not, this is not uh, abstract, okay? If you think of, of the love of God, this is where I, there are a lot of youth kids. Um, a lot of the times um, during youth group, there's, this is something I would hear pretty often. Um, back in the day, when I was helping out a youth group, a lot of people would come up to me and be like, man, Daniel, we're talking about the love of God again. I'm over that. We've, I've already heard that. And now what I think is really interesting is there's a huge difference between understanding conceptually the love of God. When, I, when you hear this verse, you think, oh, God really loves me, and that's all it means. But w- what I'm saying here is look at how God loves you. This is actually a true story of a person who bled and died um, on, on your behalf and a father who was willing to give up his son so that we could be saved. That is completely different than love expressed abstractly in the way that songs talk about it. Um, you know, there are so many different love songs. And uh, one of my favorite of them is, there's a, there's a Bob Dylan song that I mean, probably all you young people only know because Adele covered it, but it's called uh, Make You Feel My Love. And I really, really love this, this, passage, or this uh, song where Bob Dylan writes, um, I'd go hungry, I'd go black and blue, I'd go crawling down the avenue. Um, there's nothing that I wouldn't do to make you feel my love. Where God's love is not abstract. God's love is particular and is particularly expressed through this divine act of life, the life and death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the singer in Bob Dylan's song, he's saying, I would do anything for you. I would be willing to to, uh, go hungry. I would be willing to give up my food so that you can have food, even if it means that I'm going to go hungry and die. Or I'd go black and blue. Like, I'd be willing to take, like, blows on your behalf. I'd be willing to let my body get battered and broken so that you could be safe and protected from that danger and that harm. And that's how God shows his love. Now, I hope, you, I hope you can see, when you understand precisely how God expresses his love through sending his son, giving his son up for us, then you can only then, you can see how much God loves us. If you say God really, really loves you, it's vague, and it gets old, and you hear it over and over again. But if you say God loves you in what manner? God loves you so much that he would send his only son to die for you. And God expresses his love in that way. That is such incredible good news. And that, I mean, honestly, this is so transformative. Um, When you actually understand this, like, your life will be forever different. The way that the love of Iron Man will have forever changed his daughter's life and the neglect. Anyway, um, 
But let's, let's keep on going. Uh, how God loves through Jesus Christ shows how much God loves. That's the first point. And then how God loves meets our greatest need. So for God so loved the world, or I would say a different translation, God loves the world in this manner. He gave his only son uh, so that, <laughs> oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting. <laughs> he gave his only son. I think I'm just sleepy after Christmas, the Christmas feast. Um, for God so loved the world that he gave, gave, gave his only son that whoever believed in him should not perish. Uh, this is the other um, this is one of the other amazing truths that you see in this passage. Um, and as we've been going through the world that we've been living in, I think this truth has come home to us in ways that it never has before. Um, it's come home to our world, where our entire world has lived in the fear of death and perishing. That's what perishing means. Um, and the, the literal Greek word means to be destroyed, uh, but it just means to die, to be destroyed, to perish. Um, why did Jesus express his love in this way? He expressed it to meet our greatest need, which is that all of us will perish. And this question is one of the most powerful questions that you can ask about, about life. This is the question that great philosophers and religious thinkers have always had to grapple with. And what I would say is, if you haven't grappled seriously with this question, then you are in denial. And you are choosing to say, basically, I refuse to acknowledge this, um, and this will lead to uh, devastating consequences when the reality of death hits you over the head. Um, when people around you die, when you see the pandemic, when you see people, when you see the world all struggling with this question, you will have to come to grips with it and you'll have to face this question, which is that every single one of us will perish. How we as Christians make sense of this is the promise from this verse, where it says God demonstrates his love in this manner that he gave up his only son that whoever believe in him should not perish. Do you see how incredible this is, this claim? This claim is that we are all going to perish and we have this incredible need that we can't meet ourselves, which is we need eternal life. We need to be healed of the disease of death and sickness. Um, and the only way that this need can be met, need can be met is through the blood of Jesus and through his sacrifice on the cross and believing in it. And you actually see this in a really powerful way in the verse right before John 3.16, where um, uh, Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus, a teacher of Israel, and he gives this example from the Old Testament of a bronze serpent. So let me tell you the background and story from the Old Testament. Um, Israel was wandering in the desert after God had redeemed them out of Egypt. Um, and they started complaining to God, saying, like, we had good food back in Egypt. And it's, it's totally crazy. Um, there's like, we had great food back in Egypt. I really missed that food in Egypt. And God is like, well, yeah, but you guys were slaves, right? Like, why are you missing eating that food when I'm providing all the food you need and I've freed you out of slavery? And they're grumbling against God. And so this is a kind of interesting, troubling passage. And I'm not going to be able to talk about, like, how to understand, but I'm just going to say what, what happens. Um, so God, as a result of their grumbling, sends serpents to Israel, and the serpents bite Israel. 
And again, some of you might be saying, oh, like, what? That's really messed up of God, right? And, you know, we could talk about it later, but this is what happens. The serpents bite Israel, but then God tells Moses, if you lift up a bronze serpent, anyone who is snake-bitten, who looks upon that bronze serpent, will be healed and live. Now, this is the illustration that Jesus is using to talk about himself going up on the cross. And this is what it means to believe in Jesus. Um, We are all going to perish. We are all going to die. In a sense, we are all snake-bitten and slowly dying. And the claim that Jesus makes, the claim that Christianity makes, is if you simply look upon Jesus on the cross and say, Lord Jesus, I look to you to save me. I'm dying, I'm snake-bitten, I can't save myself. No one can, not even the best medicine, not like artificial intelligence, no kind of technology can make humans stop dying. But Jesus is saying, if you look to me on the cross and believe in me, I will give you eternal life, you shall not perish. And that is our greatest need that we have. And this is a reality that if you live, in a, if you live a life that's um, kind of insulated from pain and suffering like many of us have, um, this will be a rude awakening when you actually run into real death and tragedy and loss. Um, when your parents get sick, um, when your friends suddenly die, uh, you got to deal with this. And this is a reality that we almost face. And there are different approaches to facing this reality of death. One of them is that uh, human, our life is absolutely meaningless. It is temporary. It is short. There is no meaning or purpose in the universe because we are just the force of blind chances. And uh, no matter what we accomplish, it ultimately won't make a difference because everyone dies, everything dies. Um, You know, the sun will burn out. Uh, We just will have no, we'll make no difference in the grand scheme of things. No purpose whatsoever. Um, Or you can kind of look at, there there are other approaches obviously, but the, the Christian answer is very, very different where there is a longing inside of us to live forever, which makes absolutely no sense if everything else in the universe dies. Have you ever thought about that? It's so weird that we would even long for eternity when everything else dies and we have no observable example of eternal life. So then why do we long for it? It's just really weird. Um, And the way we understand that is by saying God made us to live with him forever. And because we were snake bitten, um, because we fell from the garden, Uh, we were not able to um, have eternal life, and so God had to send his son to meet that greatest need of us to um, believe in him and live forever. Uh, Does that make sense? Um, Apart from, I mean, this is the exclusive claim of Christianity. Apart from Jesus believing in him, um, everyone will die, and Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. Um, He meets your greatest need. So let me put this in a few different ways. Uh, Jesus Christ is the only medicine that can heal your soul. Jesus Christ dies so that you can have life. This is like when Tony Stark snaps the Infinity Gauntlet. I'm sorry if you, if you haven't watched the movie, you don't get anything I'm saying. Um, he snaps the Infinity Gauntlet to save the life of half of the universe and in the process allows himself to die um, to save his little daughter, you know? Um, And that's how beautiful he expresses his love for his daughter um, in sacrificing himself to save her. 
Do you see how God's love is very particular? Do you see how everything that we're hoping in as Christians is grounded in one historical moment where uh, a man from Nazareth who claims to also be God died on a Roman cross in history and what we believe about that because that's what he claimed is that he was God and that he was dying so that we could live and that he was only doing it out of God, the creator of the universe, sending his only son and giving up his only son so that we could be healed of death and sin and sickness. Now, the final point I have is if you understand this love, it can get you through anything. It can get you through anything. For God so loved the world that in this, in the, he loved the world in this manner, he gave his only son that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And what's really interesting about eternal life is um, eternal life is not a future thing. Eternal life is life that starts now and continues forever. And this is the claim that the love of God is making. And he makes like different biblical authors um, make it in different passages uh, where there's a really powerful passage that I just want to read real quick from the book of Romans chapter 8. And this is the reason I wanted to talk about this. Um, when, I mean, I mean, like, everything I'm saying is kind of somber and uh, depressing, but honestly, like, this is the life we've been living. Our church has experienced a lot of tragedy in the last year, um, a lot of people passing away, and it's been incredibly difficult. And so when, when I was thinking about what to preach on, um, the first thing I wanted to, to, the first thing I kind of felt was that, um, I don't want anyone to come through these doors and not have the opportunity to taste eternal life because you never know when someone might suddenly pass away. And my, my perspective on life has dramatically changed when I've actually experienced people passing away. And that has given me a sense of urgency to let you know this message, which is that God loves you so much. And not only loves you so much, But this is how God loves you. He sends his only son to die for you so that you can have eternal life and you don't have to be afraid of death anymore. But let me go ahead and read from Romans 8. And I'm going to move into something slightly different. These are the implications of the love of God for your life. And this is why the love of God is not something that you get bored of. Um, Your life, no matter what you go through, becomes, becomes a new opportunity. Every, every change you go through becomes a new opportunity um, to understand the implications of the love of God that he expressed through the cross. This is Romans 8, um, verses 35 through the end. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? This is a really incredible question, a rhetorical question that Paul is asking. Can anything, any of these circumstances, famine, sickness, war, danger, can any of it separate you from the love of Christ? Can any of it? Can any of it change the love of Christ for you? Let me keep on going. For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors 
through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, So this is kind of the implications of the love of God I want to unpack for you. Um, Your feelings change all the time. My feelings towards God change often, where, God, why are you so far from me? Why don't I feel your love in the same way that I used to? And if you've uh, been a Christian for any period of time, you've run into these kind of, um, you've run into these dry spells. Your circumstances change. Our circumstances have changed in an incredible way in the last two years. And you could, like very few people could imagine how dramatically our circumstances would change. Um, Some of you have experienced financial windfalls. Some of you have experienced financial devastation. Some of you experienced the loss of a job, the gain of a job, graduating school, getting rejected by college. Some of you experienced all of these different circumstances. But what is this passage saying? Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. How can that be true? How can it be true that no circumstance and no feeling could separate you from the love of God? The only way that is true and makes sense is if you understand the love of God as expressed through Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you. This is a love that is outside of your feelings and outside of your circumstances. This is a historical event that has happened regardless of whether you know about it or care about it or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me, let me give you an example. Um, uh, there's a, there's a, when you guys look outside at the clouds, uh, you can't see the sunlight, right? Does that change whether the sun is still shining? When it's nighttime and the earth is tilted in a way that the sun's light doesn't directly shine, um, does that change the existence of the sun and the rays from the sun warming the earth? Absolutely not. Do you know what would happen if the sun stopped shining? Have you guys ever thought about that? What temperature do you think the surface of the earth would be if the sun burned out? Have you considered that? What would happen is in a matter of days, um, all of the top layers of the ocean would freeze. And it would be like some people estimate like negative 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Without the sun shining, Uh, that's how cold it would be on the earth. And I think that kind of humbles us, where you, when we we experience the love of God, um, we're like, wow, this is so amazing, this is so great, the the sun's really shining on me. And then we hit a cold patch and we're like, like, why doesn't God love me? You know, where did the love of God go? But I just want to say to you, like, how you feel does not change the reality of it. And just because the clouds are blocking the love of God, that doesn't change the reality of Christ dying on the cross for you, does it? Because that's something that is completely outside of your feelings. And that's something that's really different uh, between Christianity and a lot of other religions. Where a lot of other religions, they want you to make you feel good all the time. And Christianity does not depend on your feelings all the time. Um, Because how God expressed his love for you was a historical, objective fact outside of how you feel about it. And this is how God's love can get you through anything, 
When Paul says, I'm sure that nothing, neither death nor life, can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus, the reason is Christ expressed his love for us and God expressed his love for us in that one act by sending Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And that means that no matter what you're going through or feeling, there is one thing that has to be true. God loves you. And he, he already proved it. He already proved it. And that will always be true, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what circumstances you're going through. The second thing that's true is when Jesus died on the cross, um, he sent the Holy Spirit to us. And so in the past, God expressed his love by sending Jesus to die for us. In the present, if you believe in him, we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us that constantly is reminding us of the truth, which is that God continues to love us. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that your feelings aren't real. Um, feelings are really difficult. Circumstances are really difficult. And Jesus is grieved by the difficult circumstances we're going through and the, the sense of feeling alienated or far from God. But that doesn't change the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And then finally, when you look at the future, if those things are true, if God has shown his love through sending his only son, his precious son, who he cherishes so much to die for us, um, then he will surely treat us well and redeem everything in the world in the future. And that's even the logic that Paul uses, where he says, if God did not withhold his son, how much more will he give us all things? And that totally makes sense, doesn't it? Where if someone is willing to give you their most precious possession, then you can kind of trust that they're not holding anything back, right? Um, if, if, like, I love my guitar. Um, if I was to say to Ashley, you know what, I, I love you so much, I'm going to give you my guitar. That means a lot, right? It's basically saying, I would give you anything. It's not, and, and like the next day she's like, um, Daniel, I'm, I'm kind of hungry, can you give me some of your Taco Bell? And I'm like, no! It doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't make any sense. Of course I'm going to, well, unless I'm really hungry, but like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that I would withhold that if I was willing to give up my guitar, right? Though some of you do that anyway. No, just kidding. Um, but that's the love of God. He's willing to give up his only son to die for us. If that's true, why would we ever question that he will give us everything, that he has our good, um, in, like, our good is the most important thing in the world to him? God, for God loved the world in this manner, that he gave his only son, that whoever, anyone who believes in him, should not perish but have eternal life. Um, the final thing I kind of wanted to say about the love of God is um, why did Jesus come to this earth? Like, why did he do this? He came to save us, right? But why did he come to save us? Why did God so desperately want to give us eternal life? And this is the wonderful, beautiful thing that's kind of incomprehensible. Um, for some reason, God wanted to save us and heal us and give us this medicine for our souls in the cross so that he could spend all of eternity with us. And the very his life and his love that he expressed to the other members of the Trinity, we, he, we could join in that with him for all of eternity. He loved us so much that he made us, and even when we turned away from him, he didn't leave us alone, but he sent his son. He loved us first while we were still sinners 
so that he could save us and reconcile us so that he could spend all of eternity with us. And that's the incredible joy. That's the reason that God was willing to send Jesus to the cross, so that he could be with you forever. Can you see how this love can get you through any circumstance? When you guys go through this life, you experience rejection and hatred from people. Um, you experience disappointment in your relationships. Um, when when you, you, you always feel like you have to measure up to other people's standards. But this is how incredible God is. Before you did anything to deserve it or to like be a good person for God, he took the first move. He gave you everything so that you could be reconciled to him because he loves you. If you're struggling with sin, look to the love of God. Look to Jesus Christ dying on the cross. He loves you so much. He died for you so that you could be forgiven and reconciled to him. If you're struggling with loss or grief or tragedy or difficult circumstances, those things are painful and difficult and true. And yet, rather than saying, these things are happening so God doesn't love me, you can say, these things are happening and yet God still loves me. Why? The cross. If you're going through pain, the cross. You, you get what I'm saying? I feel really bad, but the cross. God still showed his love for me in that moment through sending Jesus. And that can get me through. That can get me through anything. Um, I hope that you can kind of see this verse, this passage in a new way. Where Do you kind of see what I'm saying? How it's not the amount that God loves us, though that's certainly there. It's also the manner in which God loved us. Um, it's not simply the reservoir of God's positive feelings towards us. Because when you grow up in church, you're like, all I'm supposed to think and feel is God feels a bunch for me. God feels a lot of strong feelings of love for me. And that's true. That's totally true. But he also expresses it through this action that happened once and for all, Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins. For God loved the world in this manner, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Do you know that you have eternal life? Have you placed your sight and looked towards the cross to be saved, to be healed, to be free? Um, I pray that if you haven't, you would consider it, um, and you would take seriously this question of what will happen to me when I die, what will happen to my family members when they die, um, and you would consider Jesus Christ's free offer of eternal life. If you are already a Christian, I hope you would just meditate on the love of God that exists objectively, apart from any of your subjective experience or circumstances, one thing that nothing can separate you from. No circumstance, not famine, not death, not a pandemic, not isolation, not rejection, not um, losing your job. None of it can separate you from the love of Christ, the love of God in Christ Jesus that he expressed through the cross. Let's pray. Dear Lord, um, I praise you for your son I praise you that you loved us so much as a father that you were willing to send your son to die for us and that you rose him from the dead so that we could have new life and forgiveness and reconciliation with you. I praise you, Lord, that we can know you as our father, 
that you heal us of our sicknesses and our diseases, that you resurrect us from the dead so that we can live with you and experience the joy of knowing you. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would really help us to consider soberly these truths and that ultimately um, people would come to know and trust you and know your love and that that would help us get through um, all of these difficult things we've been experiencing. Um, but I praise you that we can have joy in the cross, um, that on the cross, your love and your sorrow mingled together um, for us. We love you so much and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.